0: tuesday everyone this is digging deeper where we take a look at each book of the bible chapter by chapter and dig deeper into what the text means and how it applies to us today last week we set up for ephesians with an introduction and this week we are starting ephesians with ephesians 1 so the first thing i want to i want to talk about is the outline of of Ephesians, there are four sections of the chapter, and those sections are the introduction or the greeting. This was a greeting that Paul uses in all of his letters. Uh, it was a standard to, to greet your audience whenever writing a letter. It's kind of like texting someone and just saying, hey, then Paul gets into the blessings we have in Christ Next, he talks about how he's been praying for the Ephesians, and he wraps it all up with an explanation of the authority that all of these blessings flow from. And it's interesting because as I read through it and and break it down, it would almost be easier for me to go backwards through Ephesians 1 with you because our minds process it better when we Understand the authority and then process the blessings. But I'm going to keep in line with the way Paul wrote it and intended for us to read it and start from the top. So we're going to start with verse one and I'm going to stop as we go so that I can kind of give you my notes from what I broke down. I also want to quickly go back. something I touched on last week about translations. Uh, Last week I used the message translation because we were looking at a story. This week I am going to be reading out of the ESV translation and I love the ESV for studying because the ESV translation and the method they used in their translation process, was a word-for-word translation. Other translations, uh, like The Message or like the NLT, uh, there are are a couple others that I can't remember off the top of my head, but they go more about a phrase-by-phrase translation. So when you're wanting to look at specific words and things like that, I find that the ESV is a great translation. So that is my preface on why I'm going to be reading from the ESV. So if you have an ESV, grab it and follow along. (laughs) Ephesians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's the first section I was talking about, introduction, greeting. And something very interesting that I read about these greetings is they parallel something that Paul would have had great exposure to because he was Jewish. And that parallel is to a Jewish benediction that would happen at the birth of a, of a newborn Jewish child. And what they would do is go through the ancestry of that child they would know what what tribe what which of the 12 tribes this child's lineage goes up to and each of the tribes they would have responsibilities so for example the tribe of levi was always known as the tribe responsible for being the leadership the priests of the jewish people and so At this benediction, if this child was born in the lineage of the Levi tribe, the person giving the benediction would go through that and explain or more so remind the family and also this child who they are and what their responsibility is because of who they are born from. So it's really cool to see how Paul... Uses this in all of his letters. It's basically a reminder to the reader, "Hey, you've been born again in Christ. So grace to you and peace from God." And that's just super refreshing when you look at the greeting or the introduction of any of his letters. A lot of times, even for myself, if I read the letters back to back, it's always like, "Okay, it's the it's the same kind of greeting." But when you look at it in this light, it's actually important. It's an important reminder to remember who you are and who you've been born from when you are born again. Now, there are two words that I just want to give notes on here, both in verse one. The first word is saints. Now, the idea of a saint has kind of been distorted throughout history, especially from the Catholic Church because there is a process within the Catholic Church to become a quote unquote saint. You have to have done something extraordinary or extravagant for the body of Christ and then it's like this whole process to become a saint and it can't even happen until after you die. However, like we see here to the saints, he's not writing to to dead people. He's writing to the church and he's writing to us. And so we are being called saints so what is what is a saint to be a saint means that you have been set apart by god it means you're holy and you're sacred so this is almost an active noun it it means we have been set apart by god and it means we are remaining holy we are remaining sacred so not only is paul reminding us who we are in christ but also reminding us hey This is your responsibility because you are born of Christ. You need to keep yourself holy. You need to keep yourself sacred. And so that's something that I would challenge you to apply to your daily life. Remember, wake up every every morning and remember, hey, I'm a saint. I need to keep myself holy. I need to keep myself sacred. And just the whole concept of saint. I could go on and on about saints. But I'm going to move on to the next word, which is Ephesus. Now, of course, we know that the title of this letter in every Bible is the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. However, very interesting note, the early manuscripts that a lot of people found way back when, they did not say to the saints who are in Ephesus. They actually said something more along the lines of to the saints who are in Laodicea. Now, whether it's Ephesus or Laodicea it really actually makes no difference because this letter in particular it's not addressing any issues within the church specifically like the letters to the Corinthians it's a general letter that is really intended for the body as a whole and the purpose of this letter was actually not to go to a church and just stay with that church but it was actually meant to be passed around all the churches in this minor asia or asia minor area and we see that in colossians 4:16 that's where it actually says paul tells the colossians in the letter to the colossians to make sure they see the letter to the laodiceans which i believe is is the letter to the Ephesians. This letter was meant to go to one place, whether it was Ephesus or Laodicea, and move from there and go to all the different churches. Now, what many scholars believe is that once this letter got to, let's say, Ephesus, they basically copied it down on their own paper so that they could always have a copy of it. And most likely they made it their own so that it applied in a far more personal way. Now, then let's say they sent the original letter, which had no recipient name in that blank, and it then passes on to Laodicea. The Laodiceans most likely did the same thing. And so you would have different copies of this original letter, and that explains why you would have the different names in different manuscripts. Interesting thought. Doesn't actually change anything about the letter. Uh, It's just a fun fact. Moving on to the blessings. So the blessings are broken down into eight different blessings, and we can break those down as we go. So picking up in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is blessing number one. Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. What exactly does that mean? Sounds great. Sounds amazing. But what, what does it actually mean? What, how do you see that in your life? Well, you see that in two different ways. The first would be the fruit of the Spirit. It's going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The other way you're going to see that is the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, faith, healing, working of miracles. So both of those are something that come from the spirit. So in a sense, all of these spiritual blessings are wrapped up in the Holy Spirit, but we can break them down into those two categories, fruit of the spirit and gifts of the spirit. Uh, continuing in verse four, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So this is blessing number two. He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So before the fall of man, God already chose you. Th- this whole thing was already planned out and he had already chose you to be in him, which blows my mind. It It's like, So long ago, many thousands of years ago, before sin was even a thing, God already was like, I choose you. That's so cool. I also like how the NLT translation translates this verse. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So even before our slip ups in life, he already chose us to be without that. So it's like before anything's ever happened, he's he's chosen you not only to be holy, but to be faultless in his own eyes. And that's like a deeper level of love than like we can fathom. We can only pray that we continue in our understanding of that kind of love. Moving on to verse five in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now this brings us to blessing number three predestined us Into the adoption of children by Jesus. This verse, many times, gets misunderstood. Uh, You know, it's been a debate throughout church history for a very long time. This idea of predestination. Predestination has been twisted into thinking that God has pre-selected who gets to go to heaven. That's not what this means. It means he predestined a opportunity. He predestined a path through Jesus for us to be adopted into his family. So before the creation of the world, God already had in mind this plan to send his son, for his son to die on the cross, and for us to be adopted as his children and that's that kind of goes in line with the last blessing again also love how the nlt phrases this verse it says god decided in advance to adopt us into his own into his own family by bringing us to himself through jesus christ this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure so It wasn't like a chore. It 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 made God so happy to have this plan before He even created the world. Within that passage that I just read, there is also the fourth uh, blessing, which is tied in with that last blessing as well. It is that we've been made accepted. This is something that we'll touch on more in Ephesians 2, but the idea of not being part of God's chosen people, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, it has now made us as Gentiles accepted into God's family. So blessing number four made us accepted. Moving on, picking up in verse 7, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. This is blessing number five, redeemed us by the blood and forgave our sins. Again, uh, looking at the NLT, love the way it's it's phrased here. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us, who belong to his dear son. So it's that word lavished. It's a very poetic way of putting just he's poured it out on us. And that goes hand in hand with what I said earlier. It's just this amazing, deep, unconditional love that God has for us. Now, there's a discrepancy in the translations that I look at. And I just want to bring this up briefly. The ESV in verse 8, it says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. I think the Amplified is is a better example of how this was written. Verse 8 in the Amplified is finishing what verse 7 was saying, and it starts, which he lavished on us. End of phrase. And then the second half of verse 8 is like a new statement. In all wisdom and understanding... And then it goes on to verse 9. This is actually how I think it was phrased originally. And it's it's leading into something God has done in all wisdom and understanding. Now, that's not to say God doesn't lavish wisdom and understanding on us. But just small note, I think the in all wisdom and understanding is actually a new phrase, which then leads into verse 9. So I'm going to start midway through verse 8 and then go, go on from there. In all wisdom and understanding, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is blessing number six. And it is he made known... To us, the mystery of his will. This great mystery that we now know, it, it, it's not so much a mystery now because he's made it known to us, but it was a mystery all before the time of Jesus. It was the sending of Jesus so that Gentiles would be adopted into the family of God. If you had told someone back in the time of David, that non-Jewish people would be set at an equal place of value to God, they would have either laughed hysterically at you or tried to kill you. And it's it, no exaggeration. And this, it was a mystery of how how would God save everyone? Why would he just save his people uh, aren't all all people the children of god and the answer to that is yes you are a child of god even if you were not born into a jewish family you were still made by god you were still made in the image of god so why would you not be included in god's family well that was a mystery for a long time but now we know that through jesus you are considered part of the family when you accept jesus as your lord and savior so this great mystery is now known to us and while the idea of like knowing this big secret if you will it it may not feel like a blessing in and of itself but when you look at it through the lens of we are accepted and everyone knows that we have been accepted it is a blessing picking up in verse 11 in him. We have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. The start of that verse is where we find blessing number seven in him. We have obtained an inheritance. So this is referring to the full inheritance that we will receive at the end of time. The previous six blessings have been given to us now. That's something we've obtained now via Christ dying on the cross and then sending the Holy Spirit. The giving of the Holy Spirit was the first fruit of this inheritance. We give God first fruits when we have income come to us when we're when we receive financial blessing we give a f- uh, first fruits 10 percent of everything we get so this is like god's first fruit to us it's uh, something we'll we'll get to actually next but it's it's a it's like a, a small taste of what is yet to come but what is this full inheritance well uh, Throughout scripture, I'm going to cross-reference all of these, but I'm, I'm not going to go to each verse and read it. The, the full inheritance is the earth. We're going to inherit the earth. You can find that in Matthew 5.5. 5. We are going to inherit eternal life. You can find that in Matthew 19.29. We are going to inherit a prepared kingdom. You can find that in Matthew 25, 34. You can also read more about that kingdom in Revelation 21. And lastly, the riches of his glory, which you will find in verse 18 of this chapter. So moving on, that was number seven. He's given us an inheritance. And picking up in verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory so this was what i was alluding to earlier the holy spirit is the down payment it's the 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 first fruit it's the down payment it's the first taste of what is yet to come it's a seal it's it's God marking us as his own in the NLT it says he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit in the amplified it says that we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit as owned and protected by God, so not only did the Holy spirit come with all of these first fruit blessings, but it also was a seal of a promise. And it wasn't just a seal of a promise. It also meant that God was saying we are his and not only are we his, but we will be protected by him. Like a father protects his child. And that is so rich just in and of itself. You could take that and really just meditate on that. Alone, that you have been sealed by God as His own, and it means He's going to protect you. So cool. And that was the eighth blessing of this section about our blessings in Christ. The next section is Paul's prayer for blessing over us. So, picking up in verse 15. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might. So that was his prayer. And it can be broken down into six things he's kind of praying for. Uh, The first we see is the spirit of wisdom. The next is the spirit of knowledge and to revelation in the knowledge of him. The third is full enlightenment of truth. It says uh, the eyes of your heart's enlightened. The King James says the eyes of your understanding. So what he's saying here is, I think the ESV captures it a little bit better, the eyes of your heart, that's your spirit. He's praying that all of these things that I'm listing everything that i just read he's praying that we just continue to have a deeper understanding of all of these things we know uh, to some extent or another everyone is different in their understanding but we have an understanding but paul wanted us to in, in the ephesians to have a continual deepening of this understanding and not only that but this understanding isn't something that you can get with your with your head or with your mind it's something that is enlightened to your the eyes of your heart your spirit i love what the amplified adds to the end of this scripture it, it says that it gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight this is the the more you understand this the more intimate things get with god And intimacy, you can never have enough intimacy with God. The more intimacy you have, the more understanding you have, the more you can operate in what God has for you and what God wants you to do. Then he expounds on that, saying not just the hope of his calling, but the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So he's saying a deeper understanding of basically everything previously mentioned. Then he wraps it up with... That he's praying for us to have a deeper understanding of the exceeding greatness of God's power to those who believe. So this, this whole prayer, it's great to read knowing that Paul was essentially praying this over us today as well. But it's a great example of what you should be praying, not just over your own life, but over fellow believers' lives. In in your life, in your personal circle, your church, your family, your friends, you should want to be praying this over everyone that you know is part of the body of Christ. Paul says later on in other letters that he wants us to be imitators of him as he is an imitator of Christ. So when you read these things that Paul's doing, it's important to take that as your own and say, how can I use this in my life? How can I do this in my life? And this prayer that we just walked through is a great example of how you can do that, how you can take something that Paul did and do that in your daily life. Because I promise if you do, you're going to see changes, not just in your life, but in the people that you're praying that for and in their life. So this leads us to the final section, the section that I call the section of authority from which all things flow. And we're going to pick up, I'm going to start in verse 19, which we just read. That way we can kind of get into this last section. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so that's the end of chapter one let's recap what we just read. It says that this authority, the authority that all of these blessings we just went through, it all comes from a place, a person from Jesus, from God that has authority above all principality. That's anyone earth, earthly principality or spiritual principality. It's above all might, above all dominion, above all names, or above every name. It's above this world, above the world to come, above everything you could imagine, and above the church. So because Christ is the head of the church, if you're looking at it like it's a human body, there's not a human body on the planet that can operate without having a head so it's very important to always remember christ is the head christ is at the top and therefore that's a a place of authority in which we as the church are submitted to so to do a quick recap here we we just went over the the authority But now that we've gone through the authority, I want to go back through just and list those blessings again so that we can look at it in the reverse view that I was talking about at the top of the podcast. So this authority that's above everything, all those things I named, that authority has given us all spiritual blessings. He's chosen us in him even before the foundation of the world. He has predestined a way for us to be adopted into his family. He has made us accepted. He has redeemed us by his own blood and forgave our sins, our trespasses, everything. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. He's given us a future inheritance a an even fuller inheritance than we can understand right now. And lastly, he has sealed us with his holy spirit which comes with protection, which comes with love, which comes with just looking out for us. So when you look at it that way in reverse, I think it's really cool and it, it really warms me up on the inside just thinking about that that someone with such authority loves me and you so much that he's given us all of these blessings just as first fruits through the holy spirit and then on top of that he's got even more for us to come and all we have to do is follow him just follow the leader and all these things will come to pass So that wraps up Ephesians chapter 1, and next week we're going to just dive right in to Ephesians chapter 2, which I'm calling the testimony chapter, where we're really going to dig into the concept of testimony and how Ephesians 2 applies to us with that in mind. So join me next week as we go forward in Paul's letter to the Ephesians.